On the third day of Christmas, my geeks gave to me Mac Geek Gab for seventy nine. Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, cool stuff found, answers, all kinds of stuff. We answer questions, too. We share our own cool stuff found. And together, we come and love to learn all sorts of new things here in Durham, New Hampshire, on this snowy Sunday, December 15th, 2013. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in previously snowy, but now melting like crazy... (laughs) fearful Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. Yeah. Yeah. You're melting. We're not, it won't melt for a couple of days here. We've got, uh, uh, now that I'm looking, I would say we got over a foot now that I'm looking at the plow markers out there. So it's good. I love the snow. We're going to, uh, we're after we finish this, which of course is fun. Uh, perfect thing to start a snow day with. We're, uh, we're probably going to play some video games and maybe watch the Patriots play football and, uh, and we'll light a fire in the fireplace and we're going to cook a stew for the first time in our cast iron Dutch oven on fireplace coals. So we're pretty stoked about that. That's the idea. That's the plan for the day, but this is first. Hello. Should be. All right. Everything. Okay. You get enough caffeine over there. Just Mr. Braun. Uh, it's right in front of me in my, uh, Who's on this? Uh, is this Marvin the Martian, I think? Yeah, he's on this mug. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you know what? I want to start by thanking and, uh, and mentioning our first sponsor for the show, which is Barebones Software at Barebones.com. Barebones makes uh, several great products. Uh Kind of the, the two flagship ones are BB Edit, their text editor, and Yojimbo. And BB Edit, uh, oh sorry, and Yojimbo, which is a an information manager, if you will. It uh, it just you just pour info into it, and then you can categorize it. Uh, you can sync it between multiple Macs. You can sync it to your iPad, and uh, and it, it I, I, it's something I've lived with and worked with since about two hours after it's released several, several years ago. And, uh, and I use it to prep the show. It's very, very handy. Uh, BB edit is a text editor that allows you to manipulate and edit and work with text and, uh, in a variety of different ways. And again, BB edits, one of those things that I just leave open all the time. One of the things I was doing this week that I do constantly with BB edit that I don't think I've ever mentioned on this show, John is, uh, it has the ability to compare two documents and show you the differences between them. Now, you know, really, this is built for programmers, right? So you can take an old version of a, a piece of code and a new version of a piece of code and see it. But I use it for a lot of different things. In fact, I'll tell you one little secret. When, uh, you know, we'd like to track what Apple changes in its uh, legal agreements that we all just agreed to by default, And so every time one of those comes out, I save it. And actually, now that I realize this is kind of funny, I save it into Yojimbo. I just copy the text and paste it into Yojimbo. And then when the next one comes out, uh, I go into Yojimbo and I get the text from the old one and I take the text from the new one and I put them into two separate windows in BB edit. And then I go to the uh, I believe it's the search menu 
and I choose compare to frontmost documents and it brings up three windows. Well, two of them were already up the two documents, but it puts them side by side. And then below those uh, at the bottom, it puts a list of all of the differences and you can just jump to each difference and see what they are. Now you can also take the changes from one and migrate them to the other. That's the thing that, you know, uh, I would use as a programmer, but it it's really handy. There's a lot of times I was using it this week. I can't remember exactly what it was for, but it was not for coding. It was again, just to see the differences between two versions of a file, uh, text file, of course, because that's what BB edit works with, but, uh, but really handy stuff. So, uh, you know, again, it's just something I leave open on my computer all the time. And, uh, and I encourage you to check both of these pieces of software out uh, without even realizing it. I brought an EO Jimbo mention. So, uh, check it out, barebones.com, and uh, you can download free trials from there. And then when you're ready to buy BB Edit, you can buy in the App Store or at barebones.com. Um, the uh, Yojimbo, you buy only from barebones.com because they do some syncing that actually works as opposed to the iCloud syncing, which doesn't work. So, uh, so you have to buy that from them, but that's okay. That way you're giving them your money directly, but you can get free trials up for both. So check it out, barebones.com. And with that, John, I think uh, I think it's time to get into uh, why don't we start with some tips here or at least one tip. Uh, Eduardo writes, he says, greetings, seasons, greetings from Brazil. I just stumbled onto something very cool for iOS and Mac owners. And this falls into the uh, iCloud sinks more than you think category. He says on your Mac, if you go to system preferences, keyboard, text, you will see a panel with exactly the same data as if you go to your iOS device in settings, general, keyboard, shortcuts. Of course, this only works if you are logged in with the same iCloud account on both devices. And it's true. It, the All these keyboard shortcuts that you can build, and you can, you can build uh, very rudimentary keyboard shortcuts, not, not text expander style keyboard shortcuts. Uh, with with logic in them and and clipboard data and all that cool stuff, but very rudimentary keyboard shortcuts you can put in one place and it syncs amongst all your Macs and all your devices now with Mavericks and uh, and and of course iOS seven. So it very cool stuff, very cool stuff. So uh, thanks, Eduardo. That's a good tip. I like that. Thoughts on that, John? Now is that where, where was you know I was looking around I was trying to find this where where's the spot that the uh, because we did notice um, Wi-Fi passwords uh, also. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wonder if that's there or if it lives somewhere else, if you could actually see the file where it's doing this. Well, everything that's... So uh, I will uh, rewind back to our keyboard shortcut thing to share a, a brief tip. My son seems to be able to push the limits of what it takes to keep an iOS device stable, which is awesome. Um but he had this problem where his device was crashing constantly and uh, again and and he uh, which which we talked about in the past and it was solved in a similar way. But but keyboard shortcuts was his problem this time. He wiped the device. We put new data on it still crashing. You know, we, we, we didn't restore his data, but we did sync with iCloud still crashing. It's like, OK, what is it? You know, and all of his devices were crashing. So we're like, OK, it's something in iCloud. And it was a keyboard shortcut. He had built this like super, super long uh, expansion, if you will, so that he could text his friend. And it was just this, the, the same bit of text. I forget what it was. It was like, you know, donkey, donkey, donkey or something. And uh, he could text his friend very quickly and like fill up his screen with this gibberish. 
And so he had put that in and thought, well, this is great. I'll just use keyboard shortcuts as a, you know, an easy way to, to pester my buddy. And, uh, but what would happen is a, it would crash constantly and b anytime he went to use the keyboard, it would pause forever. And this, this happened right around, he, he put this in place right around when iOS seven came out. So he's like, Oh, it's iOS seven. It sucks on this old phone or whatever. Like, dude, it doesn't suck that bad on that old phone. What's going on. And then we finally figured it out that he had this, you know, massive thing. So it must enumerate every time the keyboard is brought up. It must read that file and reparse it uh, before it lets you start typing uh, so that it can, you know, if you have one of these shortcuts, it can put it in place immediately. But um, but obviously it's not the Apple wasn't expecting him to write some, you know, whatever 500 character or maybe it was longer than that. It may have been, you know, thousands of characters worth. Uh, so that stuff and the way we fix that was, well, we edited it out, but. Um, you can find everything that iCloud syncs in your home library, mobile documents folder. And then there are folders within that that have all kinds of stuff in them. And I believe the one that my son with this most recent problem was uh, com tilde Apple tilde text input is where that stuff was uh, was being stored. That's okay. my story. No, the one I was thinking of was uh, one we talked about recently. I just found the reference to it here was uh, Home Library Synced Preferences. Oh, that's remember? right. Oh, yeah, I do remember. That's right. There is that other folder. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's good. It, that's is storing, it there, that's storing male recents, too. That's interesting. Yeah, it was. It's in. I thought it was in synced preferences dot plist or something. That that's that's where the Wi Fi stuff was, I believe. Right. Yeah. All, All right. right. Um, another. Well, this was a question that was answered by uh, Gil Polson. Uh, we we had a, a listener Robert emailed a question to us, but also CC'd several other people that answered questions, and Gil Polson was one of them. And uh, the question was. Uh, I don't have it in here. I don't have the question, but it's okay. Um, the question was, how do I increase the size of the text in the sidebar of Apple mail? Uh, he knows how to increase the font of the mail itself and all that stuff. But how do you change the sidebar text size where all your mailboxes are listed and all of that? And Gil provided the answer. It's in system preferences general sidebar icon size. Now this will affect the finder as well, uh, but it is, you know, kind of widespread across all Apple apps. So thanks Robert for the question. And thanks Gil for the answer. That makes me angry. Does it? That's good. <laughs> why is, why can't, why can't you do it for mail? Because it's a system wide preference, John. <laughs> yeah, but you no, I know I'm with you. I would have expected it to perhaps be in mail as well. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, it looks like a global setting. So yeah, if you change it for the finder, you're going to change it for mail. And I guess with any other app that uses a, a sidebar, at least an Apple app, right? Uh, so it seems to be what's yeah. happening there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because now right. I was surprised when I'm like, wait a second, it's in system preferences? And sure enough, when I changed it to large, uh, everything in mail uh, instantly changed. So Yes, 
Yes. All right. So uh, speaking of mail, John, uh, why don't you start off Ralph's question here and uh, and then we'll see where we get with all that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This uh, this required a little digging here. Well, quite a bit of digging. But anyways, Ralph writes a how to question sending attachments, specifically photos using mail. When I send a photo as an attachment in mail, I would like it to show up as an icon in my outgoing mail and as an icon to the person receiving the me. I mean, the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Says the meal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last I checked, you can't send someone a meal by email. Yeah. Well, it depends. Maybe someday. Maybe a gift card for a meal. But, right. but, but we digress. The default for mail seems to be to send the attachment as an inline image, which is what the recipient sees when they open the mail. As the sender, I can right-click on the image and select view as icon to convert the image to an icon before I send. However, when viewed by the recipient, the attachment is once again an inline image rather than an icon. Is there a way to force mail to send an attachment as an icon rather than an inline image and ensure that the recipient opens the mail to see an icon rather than an inline image? Uh, and he says that he's doing this uh, in Mavericks. So I got at least half an answer, Dave. Okay. So there is a way. So there are a couple of ways to change. So he is correct is that the default behavior in mail um, is to display images in line. Uh, how do you undo that? Well, you got to. All right. Don't panic. You got to get into the terminal to change this behavior. Uh, you know, this is a common thread here. So basically, uh, you go into the terminal and you say defaults space write space com dot apple dot mail space disable inline attachment viewing space dash bool, which stands for boolean, then a space and yes. So what you're saying is disable inline attachment viewing. So that's the good news. It is at least for sending, because I found that once you apply this, when you create an email, it will then appear as an icon. Got it. OK. It, it, then, it appear as an icon to you, the sender to the sender. OK. Correct. OK. Now, so as far as the receiver, maybe I'll hand it off to you because the, I, the, from what I saw, and then, you know, I send some tests to myself, and sure enough, when I put, you know, the image in the email, it would appear as an icon when I sent it, but when I read the email that I sent to myself, it would show it as inline. Right. Okay, so... So this setting only seems to, uh, only seems to impact the, uh, the sender, and not the, rec the sending behavior, not the receiving behavior. Right, right. And we've got we've got and let's say hello to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekup.com slash stream. We have Brian Monroe in there uh, talking about how that doesn't work in Mavericks or he's tried it. Um, and I and, and then we've got another listener, Big T, mentioning attachment tamer. And we got a reply back from Robert after uh, or after, sorry, from Ralph uh, after after sending him this. And he said uh, that. He he agrees. He's seeing the same thing, the same thing you're seeing. And he says mail for OS 10 doesn't have the ability to present attached photo files as icons for the recipient and third party software like attachment tamer does not work in Mavericks. And he says outlook in, in office for Mac 2011 does have the ability to present attached photo files as icons for the recipient. So 
I took a look and there is a piece of software called Attachment Tamer and it does work for Mavericks. Uh, so that may be the solution here. However, I started, you know, I was thinking about this and in looking at Attachment Tamer's feature list, I'm I'm not entirely sure we're interpreting or we initially interpreted Ralph's question the right way. We may have. So let's let's back up a little bit. When you send email, there are with when you send email with an attachment, there are two ways to send that message. Number one is to send it as plain text with a section of the message for the email and then a section of the message that just includes the attachment. Now, then it's up to the recipient computer how it wants to dis- how it wants to deal with that attachment for me in Mavericks and in every version of mail. Uh, if say I got a PDF, if it's a single page PDF, mail will simply show it to me. If it's a multi-page PDF, mail would just show the little icon and then I'd have to double click it and could open it in whatever my default viewer with is, which right now is preview. Right. So that there is no if you're sending a message as plain text, that is how that's going to work. If you're sending a message as rich text or HTML, you effectively build a web page. Now, you, you may not do this manually, but but what happens when you send rich text is you effectively build a web page and send that as an email, an HTML document. And within that, you can control all kinds of things. You can control not only where the pictures appear, because in the in the you know plain text mode, they just are attached at the end. So it's up to the client to display them however that client does it. But if you're sending rich text, you can say, yes, I want the attachments in line. And uh, and and then you could say display this like little thumbnail image as and and when I when the you know user clicks on it, then show the real image. So that's possible. But in looking at attachment tamer, I don't see that it does any of that. Now, I may be misreading it. I haven't tested it. My feeling is that what Ralph, what may solve Ralph's problem is simply telling mail to send messages as plain text, because if you bury an attachment in line in a rich text message, it will display the full image right in the middle of the email. Whereas if you do plain text Mm -hmm. at the very worst, it displays it at the end. And sometimes it's just going to display the icon again up to the list, up to the uh, receivers client. So to change that, uh, for your uh, for your outgoing message, go to the message menu and at the bottom of the message menu will either be make rich text if it's already plain text or it will be make plain text if the message is rich text. So change it to plain text. And you can also set this as a default in, I believe, settings composing uh, in mail as well. And uh, and that I think that might solve Ralph's problem, but it may not. Uh, the, you know, there there may be something more he's uh, he's looking to use, but um, but uh, you know, or check out Attachment Tamer if there's if there's more you want. So thoughts yeah. on that, John? Am I am I misinterpreting or am I, am I misreinterpreting? Because I was with you initially, and then when I read about Attachment Tamer, I was like, oh, maybe I didn't think about this the right way. Well, what I suggested solves half the problem. Mm. And that it makes it's the ostrich syndrome. I'm going to make it look good to me and put my head in the sand. I don't care what it looks like to you. That's right. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it sounds like they're they're fixing attachment tamer to because uh, yeah. yeah, someone someone in our chat room just indicated yes there's a well that's right I, I, I said so on. too if you had been listening to what I was saying but you know that's okay it's cool I get it it's cool yeah I take no offense when you don't when you don't listen to me maybe a little I'm, I'm <laughs> harmed <laughs> I, have I, a, I have a fragile I have a fragile ego John so maybe that'll do it maybe yeah. Yeah. All right. Take us to Andrew, my friend. Andrew. Is Andrew our friend? He could be. Yeah. Let's see. I said my friend. Oh. I said take it to Andrew, comma, my friend, meaning you were my friend, but we can right, make Andrew our friend too. I have the wrong Andrew. I didn't say take it to my friend there Andrew. We go. Okay. I said take it to Andrew, my friend. But that's okay. Right. Right. So Andrew has a good one here. And I've done this recently, which is fortunate. So Andrew writes, I'm migrating from a white MacBook to a shiny new MacBook Pro, and I'm not using migration assistant because I'd like to avoid moving over a lot of the cruft that's accumulated on my old system. When I set up the old computer, I linked my Gmail account to mail app using pop because that was the default. And at the time, I didn't know better. I never checked email on anything but my Mac anyways. I'd like to set up mail using IMAP on the new machine. and would also like to have access to all my old email, preferably in an old folder in mail that I can still search from within mail. I don't have any meaningful organization of the old emails, so copying them from the old Mac's hard drive or from Google servers would be fine either way. All right. Oh, Dave, I got the tool. Go. You know what the tool is? The tool is mail. <laughs> okay. Isn't that amazing? And here's what you do, and I think this will almost do what he wants um, with, with one minor exception here. And I just went through this. So um, if he wants to bring the stuff over from the old machine, what you can do is on the new machine, go to file, and then there'll be an import mailboxes choice. And when you activate that, the first dialogue you will see is import data from, and it'll give you a number of choices, um, Apple Mail, Netscape, Thunderbird, Eudora, or files in inbox format. Well, I would choose mail, Apple Mail. And then you continue, and what happens next? And this is where it may not be entirely intuitive what you have to do here, Dave. Uh, so we're going to help out. Uh, and once you click on continue and choose Apple Mail, you will then be asked to point to where your old mail resides. So this would be the kind of tricky part. So he would somehow have to make his old mail directory available. So, uh, you know, he could mount the other machine and target this mode or, you know, copy it to an external drive or, you know, may, may have to get creative here or connect to it over over a network. But then what you want to do is you want to point to home slash library slash your, your home directory slash library slash mail. And once you select that, it'll then sit there and chug, 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 chug. <laughs> and eventually it will give you a list of all of your mailboxes on the old machine. Okay. And then so, you select the ones that you want to bring over. And then once you do that, it will bring over all of the old mail and then put it in a folder called import on the okay. new machine. So, and then you could change the name of that if you want to, but it sounds like that. So that feature, what he wants. that feature doesn't import accounts. It imports just the mail and dumps it into a folder. Is that right? Well, what you see when it lists all the mailboxes, you will see the name of the account and then the name of the mailbox. Right, let me account. re-ask my question. It's not going to import okay. his account settings. It's just going to import the data. No. Okay. I, before Correct. we the mail data, which is what I 
thought he was asking to do. He wanted yes, to no, that's right. No, that, that's right. I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, before we continue, I think your Skype volume is a little, or you're 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 breaking up, uh, not breaking up. You're it's like you're digitally overmodulating very very slightly, and I might be the only one that's noticing it, or at least okay. I might be the only one that was. And now that I've mentioned it, it's going to drive everybody crazy. So we better fix it. <laughs> um. I think it's it's ever so slight. I it, it, I noticed it, you know, 10 minutes ago and I was like, ah, whatever. And then when you were rapping just now, I'm like, ah, we probably should fix that. So, um, yeah, you probably I, I'm again, I listen to this on headphones. I'm hearing in the chat room. People aren't hearing it. So hopefully it's not a big deal. But uh, but try uh, try talking to me, John, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it, 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 yeah, you, my you know. volume setting is fine. It doesn't show me overall modulating on this end. OK, then. It, well, but me, what I hear when we record the show is actually okay. what goes to tape. So uh, if it's not on your end, then it's on my end. So I am going to mute. Well, not mute you, but I'm going to cut you off for a second and hopefully bring you right back. And we'll see. John is gone at the moment now. And uh, he is still gone because my computer's being slow and I got to. I got to figure out a way I have a 256 gig SSD for this machine. And I, I really think replacing the hard drive with an SSD would solve this problem for me. And this might take uh 15, 20 seconds to come around, but, uh, but you know, it's just how it's going to be. And I can't, because I'm doing all this in, in audio hijack pro, I can't pause the recording. So, uh, so we're just going to have to live with it. All right, John, I believe I can hear you again. And so can our listeners. So go. Well, I, I think that that's, that's it. All right. Yeah, no, no well, it's not it. I, I just wanted you to talk a little bit so I can make sure your level was, was good. Okay. But I believe that that answers his question that that is the, the, to me, that would be the, uh, the best way to import all the old emails to the new machine. Um, it would be, it might be the best way. Uh, in terms of most efficient from a network standpoint. Yes. But, uh, he said that he was using email, uh, sorry, Gmail. Uh, and that's where pop normally with a pop account, when you download something, it is gone from the server forever, right? That's just right. how that works. However, Gmail with Gmail, that's not necessary. Depending on how you had pop set up on Gmail. That's not necessarily true. Everything might still be in your all mail folder on Gmail. So it's possible, possible that you could log into Gmail with a brand new Mac, choose IMAP instead of pop and get all your old mail in your all mail folder pulled down from the server. When you connect to Gmail, it may just happen automatically. No promises. Depending on how you had pop set up, it may not actually have been deleting anything. It may just have been removing it from the inbox and and still leaving it in the all mail folder. So you may get it anyway. It's worth a shot because it's easy. Uh, but again, it you know, it, it would pull it all down over the network, but that's not going to matter because it's going to do that anyway, uh, regardless of whether you've imported from the other machine into your import folder or not. So check that out before you bother to import. But. Also, before you throw away or dispose of the uh, the old data or the old machine. That's my theory. 
Right. And I guess, yeah, we didn't get any information on exactly where all of this old email is residing. I don't know if it's in his inbox or if he put it on a local folder, you know, on my Mac. Right. Folder, which either one should show up in, in the tool. When it lists all the, the mailboxes that, that are eligible for import. So. Right. But what I'm saying is he may not need to import any of it. If right, right. Yeah, if yeah, he yeah. didn't okay. delete from the server. Yes, I, if, uh, I right. understand. OK. Yeah, yeah. Then that would be, I guess, in his. OK. Yeah. All right. right. Now we're all hearing the popping because because I mentioned it. I shouldn't have said anything, John. So uh, talk to me again. Say hi. Say hi to all of our listeners. Uh Oh. If John, if you're talking, we're not hearing it. So I'm going to pause the recording so we don't spend more recording time on this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we are back, and I believe we have gotten rid of John's popping. So I don't know why this would have changed because I'm using the same computer uh, and the same everything else. But, you know, this is how these things go. Uh, you know, something changed. I just don't know what it was. With Audio Hijack Pro, the way we do this show is... Uh, a combination of outboard and, 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 and digital processing or routing, I should say. John's signal comes into Skype. I use Audio Hijack Pro to capture John's signal, uh, the incoming signal from Skype. And then I actually route that back out to an analog mixing board so that it's a digital mixer, but we're using it as an analog mixer um, so that I have faders, uh, sliders, volume sliders, and I can adjust John's volume and his EQ on the fly and mine too. And, and Pete's when he's here and, and our audio comments are in a different channel. And it's just really nice to have that stuff with analog controls so that I don't have to dig through six windows and start moving sliders with the mouse. If there's something that needs to be fixed immediately. So this has worked very well. And this is how we've done this show in this studio for the last eight years. Um, so what has happened though, is, uh, when you, capture something with audio hijack pro you can go in and mess with the buffer settings i don't know why it took me so long to realize that that's what the problem was with john today um because that that digital crackling noise is exactly uh what happens when you have the buffer too low now the reason i'd want the buffer low is so that john and i can have a more natural conversation the more latency we introduce into the the chain the more, you know, disjointed things can feel. So we set the buffers as low as we could years ago, and we haven't thought about them since until today. And so finally, I realized just bump the buffer up a little bit, which I did uh, from I don't know what I bumped it up from. And I can't look because while you're hijacked, I can't see the buffers. But uh, but in any event, that's that's what I did. And now now you sound I believe you sound good. It's nice to have. I you hope so. Good. Yeah. Actually, I just heard an audio hiccup from you. Ha ha. That's a, that's probably just a, a bandwidth thing. So uh, let me look at Skype. No, Skype. according to this, my Skype quality is just fine. My processor is not at a hundred percent. I mean, bandwidth. All right. So anyway, uh, I think we were, where we, we were finished with, with, uh, with that portion of the uh, thing. You want to, you want to answer the, you want to ask the, uh, the 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 you want to ask Tom's question, John? Yeah, because I don't think I know the answer. I mean, where can where is Tom? Oh my gosh, I can't find anything today. Should have had that queued up. Here it is. Okay, this is a mystery to me, Dave. Um, 
All right, let's. Uh, so he starts off here. Okay, guys, I've spent some time this morning on internet searches, and this one has me stumped. All right, so what he's doing is he's in mail, and I don't think it matters which OS because uh, I've seen this on different OSs. He says he right clicks on the sort bar, or at least that's what he's calling it. And I, I would probably agree that that's uh, that's what we should call it. So basically, when you see your list of emails, you're going to see a number of uh, uh, icons on the top or words uh, from subject date received to maybe attachments, which mailbox it's in, stuff like that. Now, how do you you know how do you control that? Well, one way to control that is you uh, right click on it or control click, and you'll see a list of attributes and uh, the ones that are and they will be checked off so for example in my case uh, the ones that i read are checked off some that are not checked are author date sent uh number size but here's a strange thing dave there's one in there that's grayed out and it's called labels yeah and you can't choose it (laughs) because it's grayed out (laughs) so I, i gotta say i'm stumped here um, and what I did, yeah, I mean, so I did, you know, I tried to do the Google foo as well and I, I really couldn't find anything. And then, you know, as a last ditch effort, I actually, I'm like, well, maybe I'm not viewing it right. You know? So I, you know, went to the classic or I'm in the classic view and I actually went to the unclassic view that, that didn't change, uh, change it. And then as a last ditch effort, Dave, I actually went to mail help and typed in labels <laughs> And a few things will come up here, stationary and, uh, you know, some other things. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, if I enabled one of these other things, um, all of a sudden that label will show up. Nah, it it didn't show up. I thought it may have to do with Gmail labels. You know, I tried clicking on different mail accounts, but it still wouldn't light up. So, I mean, the only conclusion I can come to is it's something they just never took out of the UI. Well, maybe they'll enable at some point in the future, but I, I... I couldn't, uh, I tried almost everything I could think of and I could never get to a a situation where that item was not gray. So Uh, if anybody knows. Well, I have, I have some theories. We had a Twitter conversation going with, uh, with a couple of listeners about this. And I will apologize for that little popping that everybody heard in the midst of that. Uh, It seems the computer's oversensitive today. And by me launching a website prepping for the next segment, uh, that was enough to cause some hiccups. So that that's where that came from. My apologies. Uh, this only appears for people logged into Gmail accounts. It does not appear. Uh, at least it didn't for someone that was logged into a fast mail account on Mavericks. So, which is a traditional IMAP as opposed to Gmail, which is, you know, funky IMAP and Gmail has labels. So, uh, I think this might be, foreshadowing of a future feature coming or a a feature that no one knows how to invoke, uh, which is two ways of saying the same thing, perhaps. Uh, But yeah, it seems like it's only for those of us that have Gmail accounts uh, linked in mail. So Hmm? that's, that's that I, I I are you saying only people that have G uh, so, all right. So you're saying you will not see that if you don't have a Gmail account. You will not see that in great. mail. That that's what several people oh, that replied to our Mac Geekab Twitter account said. Yes, yes. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the next segment I was prepping for, John, was our uh, our second sponsor mention, which is connected data. 
And uh, Connected Data is better known to most of you as the company that makes the transporter uh, at filetransporter.com. And they're actually merged with Drobo now or in the process of merging with Drobo now, uh, which is a good thing because the original CEO of Drobo left and then formed uh, Connected Data, which makes Transporter. And now they're back. So Drobo's under original leadership, which I, I believe is a very, very good thing. And there's some cool stuff coming uh, tomorrow from Drobo that will actually make me a very, very happy boy. So, uh, but we'll talk more about that once that's coming. Uh, right now, we talk about filetransporter.com. So the idea behind the transporter is single purpose device, super easy personal cloud. And literally you buy one of these things, you can buy it with or without a hard drive in it. Uh, if you buy one of these with a hard drive in it, you get it, you plug it into your network, you visit a web page and that's it. You, you it, it, it walks you through the process of putting the, the software onto your Mac. But what, what it, do we all know cloud from Dropbox, right? And, uh, and, and we all know about syncing files to and from Dropbox and that's great. But what if you want to manage that yourself? What if you don't want to rely on Dropbox? And what if you don't want to have to pay for SugarSync because SugarSync now charges, right? Transporter is the key because what you get is local storage and you get tons of it. I mean, you can for 200 bucks, uh, $199 even, and you save 10% with the coupon code MGG. So for $179 ish, uh, you get. A transporter with a 500 gig hard drive in it. And that's it. You're never paying more for for to use that storage again next year. It's just it's your storage. You own it. It's on your network. Locally, you just sync to it from remote. You just sync to it over the Internet and you can sync multiple transporters together. If you've got, you know, a distributed thing like John and I could have a Mac Geek Gab folder that we share and that our transporters also share so that we're both syncing locally to our transporters and then our transporters are syncing across the Internet so that I can sync four machines with mine locally. And I'm not syncing four machines over the Internet with John. It's only syncing once. It's actually very, very cool the way it works. Uh, one terabyte version is only fifty dollars more. So you had fifty. You had uh, another five hundred gigs for fifty bucks, two forty nine. Again, you get your ten percent off with M, the coupon code MGG. Or if you have your own USB hard drive, and I think there's a lot of us in this category, you can buy for ninety nine bucks, and yes, you still can get your ten percent off. Uh, you buy the transporter sync, which has no hard drive; it just has a USB port. You plug in your USB hard drive, and it uses that as the storage. So you you probably the good chance you've got the storage laying around for ninety nine bucks. You now have private personal cloud. And uh, and I've tried lots of personal cloud solutions. You've heard me talk about them on the show. No one does sharing with friends better than Transporter. I, I've tried it with others. I have, you know, I, I mean, I've got all kinds of different ways of doing this. And I wanted to share a folder with all the guys in my one of my bands so that we could uh, share videos in large files because people were running out of Dropbox storage. They only had their free two gigs. They don't have a zillion podcast listeners like we do to, you know, beef up our Dropbox thing. So, you know, they're limited to two gigs. So uh, I, I just I said, well, I, you know, I tried it with a couple others. It was like, no, I'm like, wait a minute. I got this transporter. Let me use that. Perfect. I put in their email addresses and I was done. 
They went, they got emails inviting them to the folder. They downloaded the software and immediately their computers were able to sync with my transporter right here. No fuss, no mess and no tech support from Dave. That's the key. That's the right way to do it. So check this out. Uh, if again, if you want this uh, MGG 10% discount coupon, you got to buy it from filetransporter.com. However, uh, you can buy it from several other places and Amazon's one of them. And I believe Amazon is the one of the ways to get it. If you are not in the U.S., I don't think filetransporter.com can ship to you in the U.S., but I believe Amazon can try it, though, because they've got several countries now that I'm seeing uh, listed uh, as able to uh, ship. So visit filetransporter.com slash MGG. That'll let them know you came from us. And then, of course, make sure you use your coupon code because that's the other way. So uh, and then and, 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 you know, you tend to benefit from that, too, which we like to see. Check it out. FileTransporter.com. You know, Dave. Yes, John. One last thing. Go. Um, yeah, it just struck me with this the mail labels thing. This is the thing that's weird to me. So so if you click on the, the menu bar and you have to be a, so, as someone in our chat room noted, they were asking, what, what are you talking about? I can't do this. So you have to be in classic view to see this bar. I'm still in classic view. Right. Me, too. I didn't even think of that. That's right. Well, well, no, the only the only thing I want to mention here is that if you're in the classic view and you click and you get this list of attributes and you see labels grayed out, the only weird thing is that if you click on the view menu and you look at columns, the exact same list of attributes are there, but labels does not appear there. That's why I believe it's a UI weirdness, because I would expect those two to be identical if it was a hidden yep. you know, or a stealth feature. So. We'll see. But if anybody knows, uh, you know, anybody who, you know, any of the mail programmers out there, <laughs> mail app programmers, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Please explain to us. Let us know. That's true. Actually, we do have several. Well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, the Apple people may or may not listen to this. They some of them may, may or may not admit to it. They, they hold secret meetings. <laughs> if they did, they would hold secret meetings uh, about it. But they, they obviously we would never know. Uh so talking about funny UI quirks, I have um, I have something that, again, I did this week and thought, oh, I got to mention this on the podcast. So have you ever gone to a website that has like a movie or a, an MP3 file or something and you can play it in your browser, but there's no obvious way to download that to your Mac and say, put it into your iTunes or whatever. Right. Uh and sometimes you can't right click on the link because let's say you got the link in email. Somebody sends you a link to a movie and boom, there it is. You can't. There's no Web page link to right click on and say download file as well. There is a solution. What you do is you go uh, with that file up and pl or playing or even, you know, once it's paused, uh, go to the address bar in Safari and highlight the address and copy it. Now you've got the address for that on your clipboard. Now you need to somehow tell your Mac download that. Well, here's the trick. Open up Safari's downloads window and highlight. Just click once on any item in the downloads window. That sort of brings that window into focus. And it's not a window anymore. It's a thing like this weird pop up thing. But that brings it into focus, highlighting any one thing. And at this point, you can use command V, the shortcut for paste, to paste something new into the downloads window. And it pastes in your URL and we'll start downloading it and save it to your default downloads directory. I, it, it's the only way to get that's the only way I've seen to get it done and uh, it works flawlessly and I use it all the time and uh, and was using it this week and thought dude I gotta share that because it's a handy tip 
And you'll remember huh. it when you need it. Yep. Yep. That's yeah, how it works. I found... Well, I'm waiting. Yeah, unfortunately, you could also use something like Piezo, but they're uh, not quite there yet on Mavericks. Piezo? For capturing a sound? No, I'm not talking about capturing a sound. I'm talking about downloading a movie file, right? If somebody sends you a link. Oh, move file, right. Uh, MOV or MP3 or anything like that. You're capturing it is your you know it's going through the system if you just want to take that raw data that's mm-hmm. now in your browser and save it that's the way to do it but it does it. require re-downloading it uh unfortunately there used to be a thing in the quicktime plugin you could choose save as but uh but that doesn't exist anymore so so i share because that way you know we're good to go um another weird ui thing we're jumping around a little bit here because uh that's what we do. But uh, but listener Charles had a question. He says, uh, I've been using Mavericks on a 2012 MacBook Air from day one, having jumped from 10.6 to 10.9 without inviting light at lions into my leopard world. So perhaps my Mavericks learning curve is a bit steeper than others. But I've noticed that software update in Mavericks doesn't give me an option to see the details of the update. It doesn't even tell me what the update is. And the notifications window presents just two options now or later. In 10.6, a user has the option to see the details first and know if the update is something needed. It says, for example, I'd skip iPhoto updates for raw file processing as I have no interest in digital photography at that level. I can start up software update in the Apple menu, but then I have to wait while it goes through a full check of the software before getting into the detail I need. Have I missed something? The App Store doesn't have any preference pane that I can see. No, you haven't missed something. Uh, other than a shortcut for opening software update. Um, And that is you get, when you get that little Mavericks notification, you're right. You have two buttons in there now or later. And then the rest of the notification dialogue is just floating there. If you click anywhere else in the notification dialogue, that too will bring up uh, the app store app and then bring up software updates, which is where you can see the details of what that is. Yes, it is a slow process as it reads through all your receipts and makes sure you, you know, it's showing you the right updates. But that's the only way to get those details. So there's a shortcut there. There's a third button, if you will, kind of sitting behind the uh, the other two. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just clicked on the app store in my doc. (laughs) Yeah. The nice part about clicking on it in the notifications window is it brings you right to the software update pain of app store as opposed to having to launch app store and then click on the update tab. If that wasn't yeah, the last yeah. one you had selected. Yeah. 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 I noticed that. Yeah. That just seemed like kind of a lame. <laughs> yes. A mission, but it seems like they're, they're trying to move uh, similar to iOS. They're trying to move in the direction where they, you know, kind of automatically do these updates in the background without telling you exactly what's happening because do you really need to know? And well, I'd like to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I still on, on my iPhone, I still, explicitly approve app updates me though too people find that uh, though i know some people find that aggravating um you know you know what when ios 7 came out i was totally stoked that that we had the ability to automatically accept software updates because i was able to turn it on for everyone else in my family because they never like i obsess about it if i see that there's updates i'll go in once a day and see what those updates are and then approve them and you know take them but uh, my family never does. They don't care that red, that little growing red number uh, badge doesn't affect them like it does me. And then it would be time to say go on vacation and they'd say, oh, how come I can't connect to Plex? Because 
uh, you know, I want to download some movies. And I'd say, well, when was the last time you updated your Plex software on your iPad? Was it, you know, the last time we went on vacation? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. You know, so now, and, and there would be invariably be all sorts of things. They'd be like, wow, I'm having this weird problem. I'm like, well, did you get the update? You know, no. Okay. So now I have them on, I, I forced them all to, I, I told them, I said, you can never ask me about problems again. If you aren't willing to do this, you've proven over the years that you're not, uh, you're not going to take these updates. So now you have to take them automatically. And it's awesome. It's great. I know it makes me a, a benevolent dictator, but you know, whatever. That's what I am. But I, I'm like you, John. I don't, I don't take them automatically on mine. I did for about two days. It's crazy. I guess I got some fun things to talk about though, John. No way. Yeah. I got one silly thing, uh, but this thing's awesome. It's, it falls into the cat. This will definitely be a Mac Geekab gift guide thing. So M G G G G falls into the category of what do you get for somebody who has everything? And what do you get for a good kitschy gift? And the answer is the brick. I've been pl- I, I, I've been waiting to talk about this thing for probably a month and a half because uh, I've had one here, but uh, but they they it wasn't available uh, for sale, so I couldn't mention it or I didn't want to mention it until now. The brick at meetthebrick.com, which we will put into the show notes, is a handset. Uh, uh, sorry, it's a Bluetooth. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a Bluetooth handset for your for your cell phone. Uh, and you can use it with your iPhone, but the thing is like the big monster old school, uh, like, like, you know, bag phone size handset, uh, cell phones that used to exist. Now you can, it also has a SIM card slot in it. They can't market it this way in the U S but, uh, between us, us geeks here, you can take the SIM out of your iPhone and put it in this thing. They, they, they won't support that. They can't approve it, but, uh, but you can just turn it into your phone. Now it's, you know, it has several less features than your iPhone uh, might. So you might only want to use it in Bluetooth mode, but, uh, but this thing was pretty cool. And, uh, it's really funny when, uh, when you take a call and, and put this thing to your ear, you know, it looks like, uh, looks like you're like Gordon Gecko or something. If, if that reference makes sense to anybody. So, uh, it's pretty fun. Good stuff. It's 70 bucks. So it's, you know, it's not, uh, not cheap as a gag gift, but, um, did you see the picture of it, John? The brick, the brick. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, what's different about this thing, though, versus the uh, the you know, the the phones that it models after is that this thing doesn't put out nearly the energy that that those did. So, uh, you know, it might not give you uh, give you cancer like those would if you had those next to your head for any length of Look time. Look at that. That's hilarious. Isn't it hilarious? It's pretty awesome. I'll put a picture on Twitter later of me uh, of me holding it. I hadn't I hadn't put any pictures on Twitter because my kids haven't seen it yet. Uh, I, I don't know why I was waiting to show it to them until I could talk about it. I like they, they tend to learn about stuff that they shouldn't probably more often than not. But, uh, but I'll bring it over to the house and I'll have one of them take a picture of me. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Oh, here's, Oh, I found a match for this. Okay. You okay. want a ridiculous one, Dave? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think I saw it. It was a result of, um, I saw it on Reddit, I think actually, but someone challenged a friend of his to get him the most ridiculous iPhone case that he possibly could. Okay. And he, uh, and you may be able to get it other places here. Here's the sure. first match that I have uh, here. So I'm putting it in our chat room here. You got an eBay, uh, eBay link that we'll put. Oh, nice. Well, there may be other places to get it, but Dave, everybody loves bananas. So if you want a banana phone, it's <laughs> awesome. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. It's huge. It's so monstrously it's, huge. It's even bigger than the brick. 
<laughs> That's killer. I like. I don't that. know why you'd carry this. I mean, you're definitely not going to lose your phone. No, you might lose your friends. No. <laughs> no, they'd want to hang out with you because you're so cutting edge carrying this big banana. Yeah. So they were talking on the banana. That's right. It's the banana phone. Yeah, I'll have to see if uh, who actually. Yeah, I don't know. E- I, I, I don't do a lot on eBay here, but. Um, all right. All right. I got another one. Uh, this so, thing, this thing showed up and uh, it, it's the Logitech PowerShell. Okay. What this is, is it is a game control. You got to look at it to uh, to understand what it is. But essentially, it's a game controller that you fit your iPhone into. It fits the iPhone 5, the 5S, or the iPod Touch 5. Uh, so, and it's got, you know, your iPhone sits in the middle of this thing. And then it's got a D-pad on the left. And uh, four buttons, you know, A, B, X, Y, kind of like an Xbox controller on the right. And then it's got buttons at the top and the bottom as well. In addition to that, the thing's got its own battery in there. So it will help power your iPhone and itself. Uh, I think it's got a 1500 milliamp hour battery in it. So uh, so pretty healthy. And uh, and it's got a little extender for your headphone jack so that you can use that. But there's a ton of games that already work with this. And as you can imagine, as soon as this thing showed up, my son was like, Hey, well, since I, I play a lot of games, I'm the right one to test this out. He actually should be over here uh, talking about this because he's, it's totally right. He, he does. He is the right one to test this out. And he, at first he's like, eh, whatever. And then, you know, the next morning I see him using it. And the next afternoon I see him using it. And that by that night, I'm like, dude, you, you has your opinion changed on this? He's like, this thing is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so it works really well. The nice part is you get to use the full screen of your iPhone for viewing the game and then you're controlling it outside of it. And it's really comfortable to hold and it's a hundred bucks. So uh, there's a couple of these coming out. Uh, I, and I think Mogo's the other one making one. And I'm, I'm going to try and get one of those two just to uh, compare and contrast. But um, but uh, this thing's pretty cool. It's um, it, it's uh, it's cool. That's the idea. For if you play games, he's been playing uh, Lego Lord of the Rings, I think is what he's been playing on there and totally like loves it. There was a, a flight simulator game uh, that I was playing. I mean, it, it's got there's all kinds of games that, that already work with this. So it's uh, it's pretty good stuff. You got you got another one to throw in there, John, or should I go on to the next one? Um. Yeah, let me mention there there are a oh. group of devices. So I actually saw some of these at uh yeah the the recent uh Engadget well, show. Mention here, so mention was, one because there is one I want to save some time for, and then we can come back to others. So to pick one, you know, we'll go back. I think I'll mention one here that sounds interesting because I think it's a it's something that's up and coming from multiple people here. So um so these are are uh, the result of um, a collaboration between Quirky, which is a group that I guess helps people develop products and they also hosted a really nice little get together at the show uh and ge and uh i guess the one that caught my eye here they, they called the spotter okay what is it it's a multi-purpose sensor so you know everybody's talking about you know the internet of things and smart homes and all that stuff here well i think this is a way to get that so the spotter is a device that uh i would assume it's wi-fi so uh basically it lets you your smartphone connects you to information from anywhere in the world. Spotter gives you access to information about the place you love most, yours. And basically, it is a sensor that can give you. And oh, interesting. Here waiting, 
No, I'm I, sitting here waiting for the page to load. No, so I, I can believe tell it'll you, give it's you got, temperature, yeah. humidity, um, vibration, mo- I believe. Motion, sound, light, temperature, and humidity. Humidity. Yeah. Right. And then I would, I would assume it does it with Wi-Fi, and then you can you know, query it from, your, uh, from your, your phone. And it's 50 bucks per sensor, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of these devices you should be able to uh, start seeing in, um, I, I believe they're going to make them available in like Home Depot and, and probably some other big stores. Uh, here, but, yeah, you know. Brian Monroe in the chat. Oh, sorry. A big T in the chat room was saying he saw him yesterday at Best Buy for 49 bucks. So, yes. Yeah, oh, price. OK. Yep. Best Buy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's an interesting age here because I, I've wanted to, I think a lot of people want to do this sort of thing is, you know, with, you know, how warm or cold is my house or, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Kind of we mentioned the, uh, the you know, like uh, another thing in that space, you know, the drop cam thing that I mentioned. I mean, sure. that, that's cool. You can yep. see and hear what's happening. Yeah, right. In your house right. if you're right. away from it. So. Uh, so, yeah, and they have a few other things that are in a similar vein. So, uh, but yeah, 50 bucks. I have to have to try one out. That's pretty cool. That's pre- that's cool. Yeah. And for 50 bucks. Yeah. You get a couple of them and, you know, or, or even just one. I mean, you know, depending on how big of an area you want to you want to check out. I like it. All right, so John, last week I, uh, I I I teased at the end of the show that I had been playing with a new device, the Kindle Fire HDX seven inch, and uh, and indeed I used it all week as my as my only tablet. Um, you know, I recently got the iPad Mini, which is a seven and you know and change inch, and uh, and I really wanted to test this thing out and give it a, a run for its money. My initial impressions were that I could get away with using it for a week. And, uh, and it was, that was a hundred percent correct. I, I used my iPad mini for the one purpose I mentioned, uh, to control our mixer during band practice. Cause the app is only currently available for iOS for those Mackie mixers, but, uh, but even that might change. So, uh, I tried out the first, I this is the, the only, this is only the second Kindle I've tried out. I, I bought the very, fir- very first Kindle. And that was sort of a disappointment. It was kind of slow, um, but it was relatively cheap and it's uh, served its purpose well and continues to serve its purpose while running the Sonos app in my house. And it's sort of a catch all Sonos controller. So we do use that, uh, but I wanted more. So uh, so this HDX killer retina screen and the slightly smaller size than the iPad mini. I actually really liked all week. Uh, It just makes it easy to hold. But in, a, in, in addition to its size, I have to make mention very, very early on here of Amazon's origami case. They sent me one of these origami cases with it. Uh, I've seen what people have called origami cases for iPads in the past for large iPads. I haven't seen them for the mini or haven't used one for the mini yet. But uh, but the idea is, you know, you have this folding um, this folding uh, uh, cover that, that folds into different patterns and, and allows you to stand up your I, iPad or, or tablet in, in various ways. And the ones that I tested out for the iPad were total garbage. Uh, maybe, I'd, maybe I just hadn't tested a good one, but, uh, but every one of them felt flimsy and never really held up my iPad. This thing from Amazon is awesome. First of all, the way you put the tablet into the case is it magnetically snaps right in and it holds tight. I mean, I can hold this thing up and shake it. It doesn't come out. But it just snaps right in. So the installation wasn't this weird, you know, folding over of corners things. And it also makes it really, really nice and smooth and, and tight on the on the, the corners. And uh, the rest of the case is magnetic, too. It obviously has like the iPad. It's got the, you know, the magnetic close and open. But uh, but the case sticks to itself magnetically, 
And uh, and it's a really hefty kind of thing. So so the case made it really easy to hold. And I think a case on a tablet makes or breaks it. So that's why I want to mention it early. This thing works. It's got really good sound stereo speakers on the uh, on the the uh, on the long side of it, I will say, uh, so that when you're watching a movie, you actually get sound in stereo, which is very cool. Beautiful screen. And yeah, I call it a retina screen. It's just a high def screen. Uh, Apple, I guess, coined the term of retina. But yes, uh, it, it's uh, it's that same pixel depth screen. Really, really smooth. Um, the speed of this thing has been fine all week. I haven't had any problems. It's been very snappy. Uh, one thing it, they, they have this feature called x-ray while I was watching a movie, I could tap on things on the screen and it would tell me things about that scene of the movie that I was watching, what actors were in it, that sort of thing, which is cool. You know, that's kind of Amazon doing their thing. Um, for, I'll get into some of my complaints about it. And I'm, what, I'm curious as to your questions, John, too. I will say oh, that. That's, oh, so you would, so it would listen. Is it listening or watching in order to identify the show? I don't. That's a good question. I think it, it, it's more that it knows what you're playing because you're playing it on the device. Oh, oh, all right. All right. 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 I mean, I think it's okay. Yeah, I, think I, it's I was, meta, right, metadata is, is okay. I was thinking of something different because yeah. there are apps and maybe sure. I'll mention in a moment here, some apps that can uh, do that for you. Right. Right. If you're watching something, if you're watching something okay. on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. No, this is if you're watching on the device. So hmm. as, but you know, there to, to sit and compare this to the iPad mini, which I'm going to do is a bit unfair um, in that I wanted to evaluate this as a, as a tablet. Right. Because let's face it, this thing is way cheaper than uh, than the um, uh, than the iPad mini. I mean, way cheaper. It's uh, the oh, yeah, seven I inch I see here. One thirty nine. Uh, not for the HDX. The HDX is a little more expensive. Oh, I'm than sorry. That. Yeah. The HDX, which is the one with the nice screen. And I would recommend is two twenty nine for the 16 for the 16 okay. gig Wi-Fi version. But, you know, the iPad mini is uh for the you know for the same 16 gig i you know um uh, uh wi-fi version is what 399 right so you know there's a huge difference there and yeah the screen's a little bigger it's 7.9 inch so it's almost eight inches uh versus the seven on this but i actually kind of like the seven so for a you know and earlier this week amazon actually had it for like 189 i mean they they brought the price down like 30 bucks but even at 229, significantly cheaper than the iPad uh, and then the iPad Retina Mini. So um, I, I really wanted to just evaluate it. And so I, I put all my stuff on it. The calendar works fine. Email works fine. Their email app is a little bit quirky. Apple's email app is a little bit quirky. It took me a couple of days to get used to, you know, figuring it out. And then I was fine. And actually, I kind of liked some things because. Apple's app, I have one button that I kind of have to assign to trash or archive. And Amazon's app, I have multiple buttons and I, one of them's delete and one of them's archive. And that's kind of nice. Uh, as far as watching movies, you know, I'm not totally married into the Apple ecosystem here. As I've mentioned, I keep all my because we didn't have Apple TV and really didn't even have iTunes. When we started getting into this stuff, we have um, we have all our movies and music. We, I have music in iTunes, but it's also on my disk station. 
And uh, and our movies are all just on the disc station, which we either stream to the TiVo or use Plex with. So I installed the Plex app. I bought the Plex app for the, the Fire HDX. And then that perfect works fine. I downloaded the Synology apps, able to stream music to it. No problem. And of course, I could get music from my Amazon locker. So that that part of it, you know, and then reading, it's a Kindle. So no problem there. And you can put the Nook app on it. You can't put iBooks on it. You can put the Nook app on it if you like that better. And I, I talk to some people who do. So in terms of out of the box, never had a tablet before yet are in an Apple, you know, world. Um, this thing works fine. And it really is a good tablet in its own right. Now, if I have to compare it to, you know, and, and for the things that most of us are going to want to use a tablet for email, Web browsing, reading, watching movies, shopping, right? I mean, pretty much that's what we use our tablets for. Uh, that This thing is going to totally 100% cover that. Unless you're used to the Apple ecosystem. And this is where it starts getting frustrating. Because Amazon, this device is an Android device. With Amazon's special blend of uh, Android OS that they call Fire OS. And it also links only to the Amazon store. So if you want to buy apps for this, the only way to buy them directly on it is to buy them through Amazon store, which is fine, but it's a subset of what's available everywhere else out there. So for example, I could not download buy or free uh, another web browser. Let's say I wanted to put Chrome on this thing. I could put it on there. And in fact, in the settings, there's a thing that says, allow me to install apps, which is really nice. Allow me to install apps from other sources. And so I said, yes. And then I could go to a website and, and install an app uh, if somebody had put their app up on their website. But, you know, like Chrome is only available in the Google Play Store. So I had to find somebody who had posted Chrome to their website because I can't get to the Google Play Store from the Kindle Fire. So I had to find somebody who had posted Chrome to their website and I put that on here. And then it, it totally works fine. Or I could download it with, you know, one of the Samsung devices I have and then put it in Dropbox and load it from Dropbox into the Kindle Fire HDX. So there's this whole fragmented marketplace thing that's going on with Android that's really frustrating um, for someone who wants to do a little bit more with the tablet and who's used to like me, who's used to coming from Apple's ecosystem where, you know, you've got a lot of apps available. Um, so that's, that's, but, but again, for most people, this thing's going to be fine. Uh, my one complaint that even after a week, I still wasn't able to get used to it is typing and editing on this thing. I constantly found it adding where it's got this Android has this predictive, thing like iOS, but different where it's trying to figure out and help you. And I would type two words and have a third word magically appear between them that it thought I was trying to type while I was actually typing what would have been the, you know, the second word. And uh, so that gets a little weird. And then one thing iOS totally gets right is editing text. If I wanted to take my, you know, if I've typed something and I slide my finger over it on my iPhone or my iPad or whatever, uh, it pulls up that little magnifying glass and I can zoom right into where I want to put the cursor and then I can edit. There was no way to do that on this thing. It's, it's like you got to hunt and pack and you just stabbing in the dark and that part's frustrating. And that part I hadn't gotten used to, but, um, but you know, it, it, but those are, those are, and that's, that's a, it's kind of a nitpick that everybody's going to see the app thing. 
depending on who you are and how you use things, it may be a huge issue for you or maybe a non-issue. So it, it's a, it's very interesting seeing how how mature things have gotten in the you know competitive market with Apple. And actually, along those lines, John, I just had a uh, an eight inch Galaxy Tab three show up on Friday, so I'll do a little experiment with that and talk about that in the future too. But do you have any questions hmm. about this thing? Battery life was fine, as you would expect. You know, no great surprises there. Wow. So you're buying these things? Uh, no. This one, Amazon sent oh, okay. me. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, get me on yeah. the list. And, and to be <laughs> fair, to be fair, and they were smart about doing this, you, you know, to be fair, they also sent me a credit to use to buy apps. So I was not hampered by, and not that I would have been, um, but in doing the review, it was smart for me to be able to just, you know, buy apps to kind of get up to parity with where I was with, with my iPad mini. Um, so just for full disclosure, but, uh, but no, I, I, I mean, if I hated the thing, I'd tell you, and, and there is that, like I said, text editing on it is, is horrendous, horrendous. I can't, I, it, that's the one time where I would actually, I, I made a rule that I wasn't going to use the iPad mini. Mm-hmm. So if I had to type something, I'd grab my iPhone, <laughs> which doesn't, you know, didn't really. You know, huh. so, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but for, well, you know, looks to me. Yes, well, yeah, sir. I'm looking over the description of it and, you know, you gave a pretty good overview here. So to me, although this is something that, you know, was said of the iPad, but it seems to me like this is a very powerful media consumption device. I would say comparing the two, I would say that's that that is a glaring, glaringly accurate description. If comparing the the iPad mini to the Kindle Fire HDX, that the Fire HDX there is almost no difference in media consumption between the two. As soon as you want to start creating things and, and, and for me typing the iPad mini, just mm-hmm. there's no questions. Please give me that. Oh, instead. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I would say this, you know, uh, the, during, you know, the evolution of the uh, iPad and all that, I always used to like to rib people and say, well, you can't do media creation on an iPad. It's not a real computer. Right. Just to get people all worked up. Of course, right. I know you can, and it's it's pretty good at that. Now, could, could you link a? Uh, did you try this? Actually, can you do this on an iPad? Can you link a Bluetooth keyboard to an iPad? Oh yeah, Abs- Of course, of course. And there's cases yeah, that have, have Bluetooth have a, keyboards in them. You can link did a Bluetooth. You try that. Could you do that with this? Did you try it? That's a oh with the with the Kindle Fire HDX. Yes, I, I assume you could, but I did not try that. Uh, but it does have Bluetooth, and you know. Uh, there's a couple of things I should mention. One thing is um, it doesn't have Bluetooth. I, I would have sworn it did have Bluetooth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has Bluetooth. So I, I'm certain you could add a Bluetooth keyboard. Why? Why oh. else? Yeah. All right. Um, but one thing that's really nice that I hope Apple also steals from Android is, you know, we get this control center on, on iOS now where we can turn Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on and off. But if I want to change my Wi-Fi or Bluetooth settings, I have to leave the control center, launch the settings app, dig in, find Wi-Fi or Bluetooth and change my settings. But the Amazon stuff, if I click on if I tap wireless, it brings up this, the wireless portion of the settings app, which is really, really nice. So I hope Apple finds a way to uh, to add that, too, because that I've, I've you know, if I want to like join a wireless network, it's like, oh, I got to go and jump and ah, it sucks. But um no, it's good. I, I like this thing. I, um, if they, if they, if they want it back, obviously I'll send it back. If they let me keep it, I will keep it. Um, and I will wind up using it or, um, or certainly, you know, one of the kids will, 
It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm happy to, uh, I'm, I was really happy to, that I, that I wanted to test. I'm, I'm happy that I made the decision to test it because I'd kind of given up yeah. on the Kindle after the first one. So. Yeah. Now to get to something that I, I thought you said you were doing, but I misunderstood. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention because right. I'm good at that. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> But no, I've, I've actually I actually was experimenting with some apps here because we, we did have a, a, a question, I think, from our friend uh, Robert. Robert has lots of questions. He does. Lately. Yep. Uh, but actually, he hit hit us with a question, which I don't think we got around to. But but it leads me to, you know, some interesting items here. Uh, he found a uh, piece of music that I guess was on NPR music, and he wanted to know if he could purchase it or capture it because you can listen to it on YouTube. Right. And I was like, oh, well, there must, you know, it's like, well, that's silly. I mean, if, you know, it's on NPR music, I mean, they must give you a way to purchase it. And as far as I can tell, they didn't. Not, you not, just yeah, listen not necessarily. To they may not have the license to let you purchase it. They may only have the license, just like a radio station can't sell you music, right? Which is kind of silliness to me because. I, I, in today's you know, world, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I even went to the artist website and they hadn't yet made this particular uh, uh, song available. But then that led me. But but what I tried is I tried to find it because to me, it's like, you know, well, you know, to me, the first option would be not to rip it from the Internet, but to purchase it. Right. You know, tell the artist that you like their stuff. Yes. Uh, But there are a couple of apps here. Now, the one that I found. So so I have on my iPhone here a couple of apps here and uh, uh, just to mention them quickly. So there are two that can identify music. So one's called Shazam. Of course. Right. Like the old cartoon i guess and another is soundhound uh-huh and i tried both of those and both of those threw up their hands and said i don't know what song this is no kidding huh so apparently i think it was a live concert that they have not yet gotten into the databases yep no it's just too bad and i well, think with shazam, both of those shazam tools, i mean shazam's been around for a long time right um right but, right but they've never they've never folk they they've made it clear they don't do live stuff uh, unless it's uh-huh. a, unless it's a a released live album that is going to be cataloged in the music genome project right but if you are at a concert and you try to have it you know recognize a tune that someone's playing live that's not going to work which is too bad cuz i mean I, I get why but you know yeah yeah so those two apps for for identifying music and i think they may lead you to places where you can purchase it if it uh, identifies it Shazam then, uh, will yeah that's right Okay, Soundhound I haven't used. Uh, I think in, in Soundhound here. too. Yeah, they're about. But then yeah. I found another app here, which is kind of cool, Dave. Uh, and this is what I thought you were saying, but even though you weren't, but here's an app. It's called Into Into Now. Hold on. Yes, Into Now. It's from Yahoo, but it's a uh, app that will listen to TV shows and then tell you which show you're watching. And even identify the episode. And then I guess you can tweet it uh, online or, you know, maybe it'll even, you know, you know, lead you to a place where you can purchase them at well. But I thought that the, that was kind of neat as well. You know, so if you all of a sudden fall into the middle of a show you're watching, you're like, gee, what show is this or which episode is this? Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. That's really cool. Yeah. Of course, we're on TiVo, so we can get that information, you know, readily. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually readily. Right. But, uh, right. No, I think it's neat. All these apps that can, you know, listen or you either see or listen to what's happening around you and then access this database and uh, do a pretty good job of uh, hooking you up with what, you know, what you're listening to or seeing for uh, later consumption. I like it. Purchase. I think it's good. I, I speak. The one last thing I want to mention about the Kindle Fire HDX, just to be fair, is I was talking about that when I mentioned the price of two twenty nine, that's w- with special offers. 
And uh, what that means is when you open up your or when you uh, wake up your Kindle Fire HDX, you see an ad um, and and uh, and and the ad might be for a movie and then you can watch a trailer or it might be for a watch and it just shows it to you there. But uh, and you can pay 15 bucks and make those go away either with your purchase or after the fact, I could just go in and, and pay 15 bucks uh, and make it go away. I have not chosen to do that because some of these ads are really pretty. In fact, they're all really pretty. <laughs> uh, we've and there have been moments where I over the course of the week where I'd opened it up and uh, and, you know, I'm a watch freak. But um, I remember one where I opened it up and I'm like, well, that's a really pretty watch. It was a women's like tennis style watch or whatever. And uh, and we wound up passing it around the family before the the thing was ever even unlocked. It was just, you know, there was this ad on the screen and we're passing around. So I would I, I've not found them to be. I mean, they're, they're not popping up while I'm using it. It's just when I wake it up and uh, it's easy to dismiss. But it's also, like I said, sometimes it becomes a conversation piece or more. So. Um, so, you know, I mentioned that because to, you know, just to be fair about the price comparison. And uh, and I think with with that, John, I think it's uh, I think it's time. We'll have Man. more to talk about next week. I know we crammed it in this week, but that's good. Oh, look at that! Someone added one of my photos as a favorite. That's nice. That's so nice, John. All right, I got to turn off all these notifications. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As as uh, as as uh, Brian in the chat room has been pointing out, uh, multi there is no such thing as multitasking. So maybe not for humans, but for uh, correct. Cor- that's correct. Yes, that's right. But for computers, most certainly. Most certainly, absolutely, absolutely. But anyways, if you want to talk to us or you want to write to us about computers, whether they be Mac or maybe even PC, we, we may entertain a PC question. If it has some relation to the Mac or iOS or pretty much anything that's on your mind, you know, do some psychoanalysis, whatever. You could send an email, Dave, to feedback at MacGeekab.com. Did you say feedback at MacGeekab.com? You are not hearing things, my friend. I certainly said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And if, uh, if you want to be even more awesome... You can send email to premium at MacGeekGab.com by first joining as a premium subscriber. For those of you that are premium subscribers, thank you. Seriously, it's awesome. For those of you that want to be but aren't able to be yet, thank you. Awesome. And for those of you who are going to be, thank you. Check it all out, MacGeekGab.com. You can learn about how to support the show directly uh, if you want to. And uh, again, for those of you that either don't or can't, that's, uh, that's totally fine. We appreciate having you as a listener. We appreciate your questions. Your questions become the content for this show. So uh, while we may not get to we get to the premium stuff faster, we certainly do go through everything because, again, your questions are the content. So it's uh, it's awesome. It's it's a community effort here uh, that John and I try and uh, do our best and pull it all together. But uh, but we wouldn't be doing it without you, all of you, premium and and uh, and everyone else, too. So. 206-666-GEEK is the number to call if you want to leave us a message, whether you're premium or not. And, John, that number, that uh, geek is? 4335. That's not all. No, it's not all. I I, I don't bet. Well, sometimes I do. Do you? I play the lottery. Do you? That's good. 
Yeah, hey, you know, it's one in a million, but yeah, it's fun. I had a, uh, this is not politically correct at all what I'm about to say, but um, Whoa. but I'll say it anyway. I had a, a former business partner, so maybe that's the reason we're former business partners. But uh, he used to say that the lottery was poor people's tax. That's what he used to say. So there you go. <laughs> well, I don't bet everything on it. Uh, to right. me, that's that's a problem. When when people are taking all of their money yeah. every week and, and betting yeah, it, not that's, good. That's, that, that's silly. That's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 10 or 20 bucks. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, We'd like to buy. Uh, it, it had become a family tradition for us. In fact, since we're doing Christmas dinner at our house, I, I need to do this. Uh, or, or Lisa or I needs to do this. My dad started this tradition of um, putting a scratch off lottery ticket under everyone's uh, plate at Christmas dinner, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is cool. But, you know, it's fun. It's a nice little thing. You finish dinner. Everybody scratches their stuff. It's good. Well, I don't know if you can do that for people that are under 18. I don't know if that's entirely legal. Not yeah, Connecticut. What happens in the Hamilton house stays in the Hamilton stays. house. That's right. Yeah. Well, I actually noticed that. The, the the place I was at last, they actually had a sign up saying uh, uh, lottery tickets are not appropriate gifts for children under 18. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Back to, uh, let me see. Pay attention. Oh, hey, you want to get in touch with us? You want to talk with us? You want to tell us what's going on? And we'll tell you what's going on. There's the Twitters, Dave. The, the most wonderful ADD tool ever, I think. Yeah. It always has something new. Every time I look, there's something new. It's amazing. And if you're on Twitter, if you want to uh, check out what's happening with the podcast, it's Mac Geek Gab. Uh, see what I'm doing. John Efron, what he's doing. Dave Hamilton. Uh, the publication, Mac Observer. I think that's that's about it on the Twitters. But what? Uh, what else? So what have I forgotten, Dave? Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab ah. to find all of uh, the events when we do things and in addition to some discussions out there, too. So uh, so like us there. We would really appreciate it. It's uh, It makes us feel good to see that number go up. And, uh, you know, numbers going up is a good thing for all of us because the more people that are involved, the greater the uh, strength of our hive mind of MacGeekGab here and, uh, and the better off we all are. So we really do appreciate it. And uh, and with that, I do have uh, a couple of people, places, things I'd like to thank. First is Michael Johnston for converting the show to AAC and adding all those chapters for you and for us. He is the host and founder of the We Have Communicators podcast and also of GetAppler.com. So check those out. That We Have Communicators, that's good stuff. And a lot of you have been joining Appler, which is even more awesome. Cashfly gets the, the uh, uh, gets the show from us to you because they provide all the bandwidth to do so. Check them out at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com if you have any needs in that department. I highly recommend them. And, uh, and that pretty much... Uh, to wraps this up, I do want to mention our sponsors in the podcast marketplace. Of course, BB Edit and Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Software, Text Expander, PDF Pen, Disc Label from Smile, Gazelle.com for selling all your stuff off, and Squarespace. And they use those weird coupon codes, so MGG12 over there because it's the 12th month. And, of course, Transporter from Connected Data with MGG, as we mentioned in the show, for 10% off. All through. Dave, you know? Yes, John, go. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. That's correct. <laughs> sorry, I cut you, I cut you off, but I, I should know that. But Dave, I want to ask you something. It, it's that time of year where, um, where you know, so this, this uh, you know, fat guy may come down the chimney and, uh, and give you some gifts, but, uh, but you, you have to keep something in mind if you want some. You have to be good? 
not only that, I don't think it's that you have to be good, right? It's that if you're going to be naughty, you have to do it in such a way that you don't get caught. Yeah. Made up. 